You're listening to the Sunday service at the International Evangelical Church in Finland. For more audio and visual content, visit our website at church.fi. How do we respond to suffering and how do we respond to God's patience? Now, let me first ask you, um, when have you asked the last time a why question? Maybe now, recently, because of the coronavirus situation, but maybe there were other situations where you asked yourself, or someone else, or maybe in prayer, even God, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to someone else? Why do sometimes bad things happen to good people? Why are people now suffering because of this virus? On Friday, I visited a member from our church who tragically had lost a family member. Why do these things happen? You might know that we run Alpha, the Alpha course, twice a year. And always on the first session, we go around the table and then we ask everyone if you would have a chance, if God exists and you could ask God a question, what would that question be? Guaranteed, at least one person is asking that question. Why is there suffering? Why is there evil? Why are bad things happening? And that's what we later on deal with in one of the sessions. Jesus was asked that question as well. We will soon read that passage. And that conversation is kick-started by um, very recent events that were still on the minds of people, you know, like things that you read in the news that just, you can't let them go. One of them has been the public execution of probably pilgrims in Jerusalem in the context most likely of a religious feast by uh, the occupying Roman forces on orders of Pilate, the Roman governor, the same Pilate who later would have Jesus executed. Um, we could think of, you know, what would that be today? If you think of some of those horrible terrorist attacks we've had in the past years, they stay on our minds, and then for days and weeks we're talking about that. And then another thing that had happened in Jerusalem was that a, a structure, a tower, had collapsed and killed 18 people. Uh, I was thinking of uh, what happened in Genor some time ago. You maybe still remember the pictures of this bridge that was collapsing. And the people ask, what does it mean? So let's first read what has been happening. So this is what Luke tells us. There were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. That's graphic language, horrible. And Jesus answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam, that's in Jerusalem, fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, 
I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And Jesus continued and told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the wine dresser, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit from this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use the ground? And the wine dresser, the wine gardener answered the master, Sir, let it alone this year also. Until I dig around it, I put on manure, I will take care. And then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, then you can cut it down. Lord, we ask you, as we always do, that you would open your very words to us. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, allow us to apply your teaching, your words of life, to our current situations, to our lives, and to the world that we're living in. And this we pray in your name. Amen. I want to share only three short thoughts with you that came to me as I was meditating that passage. The first one is this. Indeed, let us not waste our time, do not waste your time with unnecessary why questions. Ask the God question. You see, it is so natural to ask why questions. And there are some why questions that are really good. Uh, again, on Alpha, we ask, why has God put us in this world? Why are we in the place we are? What is our purpose? These are good why questions. But many why questions lead nowhere. And Jesus, he's not engaging in philosophical questions. He's pointing out that many why questions lead nowhere. They are a waste of time. But the first thing, whereas the people asking him seem to believe that if good, bad things happen to people, um, that must be a judgment of God. That must, must be evidence that they have sinned gravely. Uh, Jesus says, no. That's not the case. There is no automatic link between suffering and sin and judgment. Neither is a catastrophe automatically a sign of God's judgment, nor, if you turn it around, um, is the absence of tragedy necessarily a sign of God's favor. But Jesus actually turns from that question and he's saying, well, that question, at the end of the day, it's, it's altogether the wrong question. There is a more important one. I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, let's get this straight. The Bible shows us that God sees when people suffer. He sees when his people suffer. In Psalm 34, it says, The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards the cry. So it is not the case that God is not seeing or not hearing. He sees and he hears. But still, Jesus says, don't waste your time pondering the tragedies of this world that you will never be able to answer in a satisfying way. 
ask whether you yourself have a relationship with God. Tragedy can shorten your life, but life will be even more tragic if you don't turn to God. And what is Jesus saying by that? If you think of the time Jesus is living in and the people he's addressing, there is um, the setting, the historical setting that we first have to take into consideration. Jesus lives at a time when the Jewish people were more and more engaging in political agendas. Israel was occupied by, by the Romans and there were many people who more and more and more um, thought a messiah, a military leader who would kick out the Romans and liberate the country. And Jesus is saying again and again, this is the wrong battle. He's not saying all the things that the Romans are doing are right. They killed people while they were sacrificing. That is horrible. But Jesus says the battle you pick is the wrong battle. Repent. Turn to God and to his kingdom, which Jesus will point out later as he himself is standing before Pilate, is a kingdom that is not from this world. It is God's world breaking in into our world. He says, until you repent, you will perish likewise. Now, the tragedy is that as we are now, uh, almost 2,000 years later, reading these words, the tragedy is that the majority of the people did not repent. Forty years after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, Jewish people rose against the Roman occupiers. They started a war. That was crushed by the Romans. And many died either, likewise, by Roman swords, or likewise, as Jerusalem was destroyed and people were crushed by collapsing structures. Likewise, it has been happening. But what about us, 2,000 years later? How does this apply to us? Well, uh, for us, I mentioned the Alpha Course. Why are we doing it? Because we believe that the very most important question any person living on earth can ask, is there a God? And if there's a God, how can I have the right relationship with him? That is what repentance means. And Jesus says, whoever has the Son has life. The Apostle John tells us this. Whoever has the Son has life. The question of whether or not somebody knows Jesus is literally more vital than the question whether or not you contract the virus. And while we give our life to God once, and once we have done that, there is no condemnation for those who are Christ Jesus. We are called to live a life of repentance and trust in God. So that's the first thing. Don't waste time by asking questions that lead nowhere. Ask the God question. Turn to God. The second thing is that Jesus wants us to pursue fruit, fruitfulness, not theories. Um, he leads his listeners and asks to consider, you know, how do we read our life, the purpose of our lives? What, what is it? And that's this parable of the fig tree. That's a fig tree. The fig tree often was a symbol for the people of Israel. And 
in that case, um, that is the, the first level, Jesus is addressing his people, but you know, we could likewise think of the church and of us. Now the thing with the fig tree is that it would typically bear fruit around the year. So it is very, 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 very unusual that there is no fruit. That's not normal. This is not like um, having an apple tree in Finland, which, if you're lucky, only for a few weeks and months in the year bears fruit. It's different with a fig tree. And it tells us that God looks for fruit. He looks for fruit. And you know, even as Christ followers, even as Christians, um, there's always this temptation to focus on ourselves, even as churches. And when we do that, when we focus on ourselves, we typically start these silly debates, theoretical, doctrinal discussions. What is the right way to worship? What are the right instruments? What is the 100% correct understanding of baptism and communion or speaking in tongues or many of those things Christians not always agree with? And the thing is, you start to have more and more and more of these discussions. There's a place for them, but if you turn to them entirely, you forget altogether and we forget altogether that God is looking for fruit. He's not looking to our debates. He's looking for fruit. What is fruit? Well, it's the continue, continue fruit of personal repentance, which means we live in such a close relationship with God that you're open to his Holy Spirit, open to his word, to constantly speak into our lives. And even if needed, you know, correct us, change us. And, and we are open to that. That is the fruit of repentance. But then there is the fruit of a church carrying out the Great Commission, not thinking so much about ourselves, but thinking of those outside, thinking of those who don't know Jesus yet, and inviting them to meet Jesus, inviting them to find out more about this. This is the fruit God is looking for. And of course, then there are the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God is looking for fruit. He's looking for fruit. So let us focus on fruit, on fruitfulness, and not on silly theories. And finally, allow Jesus to heal you. In that parable that Jesus gives, um, it's not really clear. Um, is he been thinking that the owner of the vineyard is, is, is the father and, and he is the gardener or are both Jesus and the father and the Holy Spirit both the owner of the vineyard and the gardener? There's a few points that Jesus makes clear with this picture, with this parable. The first is that God cares for us. The image of a fig tree planted in a vineyard, what does it tell you? Why would you plant a fig tree in a vineyard? Well, a vineyard is the best place for anything to grow. A vineyard is protected and because wine needs very good and fruitful soil, it's the best soil you can get. 
So God is planting the fig tree in the best possible environment. And this is how God cares for us. We're often not aware of it. But God is caring for us. He wants to put us into the best possible soil. That's already a sign of his love. And then, typically, it would take for a fig tree three years before it can bear fruit. So anyway, in the first three years, you're not checking for fruit. Everybody would know that. So the tree has been planted three years. Then for an additional three years, the owner is looking for fruit. There's no fruit. It's already six years. And then the gardener says, well, let's give it another year, seven years. Seven years is the number of fullness, completeness. In a way, it is not so that God is mercilessly wanting to cut us down or trees down or the church down. No, no, no. Actually, in that parable, Jesus is telling us God has endless patience with us. And he wants us to respond to that. There is so many opportunities to allow him to work in our lives and that is actually what is happening jesus is saying that the gardener will ask for time to dig around the fig tree dig deeper loosen the earth so that the nutrition and water can get to the roots he will take care in the best possible way so that the tree can bear fruit and this stands for everything Jesus is doing with us, from coming into this world to giving our li his life and our place, to pouring out his spirit into our hearts, to continuously, daily working in our lives. And all we have to do is allow Jesus to heal us where we need healing. Allow Jesus to heal you. Bring that place to him. Ask him in. Because he wants to care for you. He wants to address that. And maybe if you're going through very rough times, and who knows what this situation that we're in will, will mean for some of us. Maybe there will be people who are challenged uh, in their employment, with finances and other ways. You know, it could be that a lot is demanded from us. But Jesus wants to help and heal us. And sometimes he even can use times when we are stretched to make us more attentive to his voice. It's not a sign that he's punishing us, but that he wants to speak into our life. Jesus can use even the situation, which is not good. In God's eyes, no sickness is good. No virus is good. People suffering and dying is not good, but we want to pray and believe that God is greater. And to those who love him, even those things God can work through. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you speak into um, a situation of a, lot of a lot of uncertainty for us. Lord, you know our hearts. You know that many of us are not sure or even afraid of everything that has happened. Lord, thank you that you help us to not ask questions that lead nowhere, but that you invite us and encourage us to ask the most important question, and that is our relationship with you. And Lord, you want us as a church to invite those who don't know you to ask the very most important question. And Lord, even now in this time, and maybe especially in this time, 
when people are oppressed, when people are worried, when people are suffering, you can be the light and the hope, the one name that brings peace to their lives. Lord, we thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you prepare the soil for us and that you're constantly working in our lives. Lord, we want to listen to you and your Holy Spirit, how you're speaking to us, how you want to minister to us, how you want to heal us. Lord, speak to us. If you have more time in the coming week, because we might not be able to go to work or commute, Lord, would you speak? Thank you for your living words. In your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to the Sunday service at the International Evangelical Church in Finland. For more audio and visual content, visit our website at church.fi.